Welcome to Style Section, the Wise Guy Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Sheila. And, well, this really is, I gotta say, I watched it last night, and this really is, like, a breath of fresh air, and it's just like, oh, thank God. You can relax now. After, uh, <laughs> after yeah. what we just saw. Who boy, but before we talk about Area for Don Iupo, just the sweetest episode the show ever does. Yes, Fun fact, so. it's literally the only Christmas uh, episode in the it's history so. of the show. Yep. So. Uh, so that's that's something to think about. And I got a conspiracy of theory about it, but we're going to get into that later. First, <laughs> uh, I know, I can't make anything easy, can I? Everything no. has to be just some ridiculous conspiracy. But I do have one, so this should be fun. Uh uh, let's get into it. Let's uh, start with our big wrap up of the whole white supremacy arc. And I don't think we need to talk about this as long as we did about, you know. Uh, well, we don't because we spent so much time. I, we did the wrap week. up last week. Oh, yeah, week, we really did. But I just I wanted to offer some final thoughts and I hope I hopefully you have some as well. I just wanted to say that, like, I mean, this show, this series of episodes has been, for me, the most interesting part of rewatching the show so far. Like, we, we talked a lot about the Donald Trump connection, obviously. But just the fact, right, that... How shall I put this? Um, every other threat we've had in the show, right, uh, the, the international arms dealers, all of that, right... There and you know, uh, Sunny Steelgrave and Paul Patrice off in their you know their penthouses and their mansions. All of that has been external to the character, like the main character's lives and experience, right? Yes. And what I find so fascinating about this white supremacy arc is there's there's no rich people. You know, nope. there's no no rich not even here. not even Pooley is rich. No, he's just getting by comfortably. You know, yeah. he's got a comfortable life, but he he ain't rich. Nope. You know, he's a guy who's fiddling over. Like, imagine a situation where any of the characters we've ever met would have a conversation about like whether they ha how do they can source T-shirts to be made of cheaper material so they can sell them for under ten dollars because it's a hard ask getting someone to pay twelve dollars for a T-shirt. Because yeah. that's a scene that actually happens in this show. Yeah. You can't imagine that from any of the characters we've met so far. Like, oh. Vinny was living a life with Sonny Steelgrave, you know, so opulent and decadent that it's like he became the kind of guy who, when he finished a meal, he never looked at the bill. He just put down $200 and left. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that that's the kind of guy Vinny was becoming. And to suddenly do an arc that's literally just about Everyone is on the ragged edge. Everyone is desperate. Everyone is out of money. Everyone is worried about their future, right? Except for Vinny. Except for Vinny. So it's like, it's this weird situation where instead of being the one, like the outsider, right? Uh, being like the regular guy in this insane community, it's a whole arc where he's the outsider. Yeah. And in everyone, his own community. In, and that's the kicker. Yeah. Like what Richie says isn't wrong. That how no. come when the the neighborhood bleeds you don't. Yeah. And it's true. Vinny isn't suffering the way everybody else is suffering. 
And they all think it's because he's a mobster and he did make some good money from being a mobster, right? But fundamentally, it's because everybody else has been abandoned by the government. It's the Reagan years. All of the unions have been destroyed, right? All of the unions have been destroyed. Jobs are going overseas. You know, the Japanese are coming in and buying everything up. Like, government policy has completely abandoned the concept of trying to help people. Reagan ran on the government specifically not helping people. That's what his most famous speech is about. His uh, the nine scariest words in the English language are "I'm from the government and I'm here to help," and it's like, and everybody cheers. I'm like, that's not how people respond. Like, no one is scared when the government comes to help. Do you know who's scared when the government turns up? Tax cheats. That's it. Everybody else is happy that the government's there, or at least they were until Reagan and his acolytes turned government into a dirty word. You know, a thing that has persisted to this day among more communities than I care to mention, right? No, I mean, it is it is a horrible thing to watch all of these people destroy themselves. Like, because I'll give you 10 to 1 that most of these people voted for Reagan. Oh, of course. And voted for Reagan a second time. Everybody voted for Reagan that second time. Like it was, it was a well, something. What it was it a forty-eight, forty-nine state sweep or something insane like that in eighty-four? Like it was like a ridiculous sweep. You know the kind you just don't see before or since. It was amazing, and you're right. Like these people all voted for their own destruction. Yeah, they all voted for their own destruction. That's what's so sad about it. Yeah, it's it's just so tragic. And and Vinny, really, because he's been spending two years in this insular world of wealth and privilege, and as much as he felt like he didn't belong, he got used to it. He's He drives around in a limo, you know? Yeah. Like, whenever he wants, he can call up the FBI limo that there's paperwork that says that he owns, and a guy shows up and just drives it to him and takes him wherever he wants to go. Like, he is living this life of absurd privilege while all the people of his neighborhood are just getting by. It's it's fascinating to me. It really is. So, yeah, that's that's my big takeaway, and it's something we really didn't discuss in the arc, that how effectively in these four episodes they create a situation where Vinny doesn't have a home anymore. You know? Where Vinny yeah. realizes he's bum- become completely disconnected. And that's that element makes that whole what do you do when the system let you d- lets you down all the more telling. Because Vinny has given up his home and his family and his, you know, uh, everything that used to identify him. He's given it up for the system. Well, what if the system's a lie? And spoiler yeah. alert, our point of view is the system is a lie. <laughs> that's a whole other conversation well well the, and here i mean it is such a problem mm-hmm. with this whole with Vinny and his getting out i mean everybody wanted him to go to the universe go to university everybody yeah. wanted him to get out well you get out and you have a job mm-hmm. i mean they all think he's in the mob but he's but, not yeah 
So he has a job. So even if he had been a regular FBI agent, which is the other option, mm-hmm. okay, that he could have just been a regular FBI agent instead of this deep cover yeah. FBI agent. And even then, he, he wouldn't, wouldn't have be felt part, like of, part of the community. No. He wouldn't have been part of the community anymore because he would have been a cop. Yep. Even if he was a highfalutin cop, he wouldn't have been living in the community anymore. Because no. it's not like he would have been like, uh, you know, walking the beat in Brooklyn. He could have been no. part of the community, had been one of the guys walking the beat in Brooklyn and go, you know, going to all the neighborhood fairs and, you know, getting rest, getting lunch at the local restaurant. Like, he could have, but he didn't. He wanted to be the ultimate cop. He wanted to achieve something. And as you say, the FBI is this completely separate entity from all of these people's lives. Yeah. And whether he became a monster, whether he joined the FBI, fundamentally, as you say, he separated himself from all of the context that he used to think made him made him who he was. Well, it is a and it is a real problem. It it is one of those things that every now and then you see discussed. Yeah. It is the problem of coming like I do from a blue collar family. Right. In a blue-collar town. In a blue-collar town. Mm -hmm. And I left. Yeah. And I got out. And one of my sisters left, but always wanted to come back. Yeah. And my other sister stayed. Right. And ultimately, our lives are so completely, were so completely different. And that it being back hard to relate, yeah. Well, I, I ultimately I understand it on a again, as you could say, an academic level or a theoretical yeah. level. Of course, I understand it, but it doesn't affect me. But you know what? The funny thing is, is Please. and this would be the same thing, and this is why people would have voted. Now, I don't think my father would have ever voted conservative, but no, but my mother did. Oh, anyway, for Brian Mulroney, that was the Reagan. That was our Reagan. It was he was our Reagan. He was our Reagan and he and Reagan got along just famously. Oh, absolutely. And, um, eh. You know, for non-Canadians, and, he's remembered as one of our worst prime ministers. In the same well, way, well, uh, except, <laughs> except, please, no, ex- except when you look at things like the environment, he was like Nixon. Yeah, that's true. No, he he's did probably look the environment. He was so he was not. You know, he wasn't. He was still not a crazy American no. conservative. He was right. No. I mean, not like Stephen Harper. You know, Stephen Harper was born and bred from them we always get them later yeah and um yeah or stockton what the hell was that guy's name stock (laughs) stock in the name (laughs) i I can't remember his name just the embarrassingly inept guy that was there before stephen harper uh yeah why can't i remember stockwell stockwell day stockwell day boom yeah no that was just that was just humiliating having that man you know the head of a political party Uh, but but anyway anyway, no i mean but what i want but what i want to say is that 
that's it. Once you get out, and it's not like you go into the trades, like Ricky, Rick, I mean, what's his name? Who? Uh, Randy, Richie, Ricky, Richie, Richie. Richie. Yeah. Okay. Um, cutesy name. Yeah, well, he's, to, I mean, he's diminuated by the name. It's the whole point of the thing. Yeah. Like, he hasn't had a chance, like, the whole nature of his character is, he doesn't see a way to become a man because all of the normal because being a man is about you know having a career starting your own family home blah 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 well, blah, no, blah having a job the, not yes. having a career well yes having, having a, a job, job yes right and it's you know, like and providing camel, for a fa- and providing for a family yes and that's all exactly of the normal it. and all of the normal avenues for that have been destroyed by the death of american manufacturing right yeah. so he the character is you know in his mid-20s and he's still a richie you know, and he's yeah, still... and I mean, but he's gonna yeah. go and study. Uh, he's gonna do, study auto mechanics. Yes. So he can fix cars, if nothing yeah. else. Oh yeah. Right, but it's a whole. I mean, sometimes, uh, you know, when you're like, you just don't. The problem is, and what Vinny is finding out, and will find out consistently mm-hmm. over the over the three years in this is that he just doesn't fit at home anymore. And um, I mean, I understand it. It doesn't matter. You have all these friends. I have so many of, you know, friends and you just like, it's nice seeing them, but there's a distance, but there's a distance. My, my life was so different after I left the suit from anybody else's. You traveled the entire world. Yeah, 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 I know. And that alone. That that alone would have made it different. Yeah. You know, staying in the foreign service. Yeah. And then you become but but the point is what makes it hard is that you still retain a lot of those values yeah. of being raised in a blue collar mine in my case. A blue collar NDP family. Yep. Right. And um, so, oh, and by the way, I still think that my father voted for, my mother voted for Brian Mulroney because he looked like my dad. <laughs> but, you know. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine then. Yeah. Um, you know, he was, he was getting in either way. I mean, come on. Yeah. We all remember Whether, what the 80s yeah. were like for politics. He was yeah. getting in no matter what. Yeah, but it is for him or not. Yeah, but that's what Vinny and this is where your life life experience. I mean, this this is bringing home some of that life experience. Now we didn't have that, but I, you know, I mean, who knows if my father had well, I don't know. I mean, and that's what you can never tell is what would have happened. I mean, there's yeah. but this this stupid ideology, right? Mm-hmm. It it why do people vote against their own best interest? And it is still the same. Yep. It it is beyond me. How could know? someone and you may ask, how could someone who works for a living vote against, you know, a union? Like nobody's life is made worse by being in a union. And yet people who work for a living will support parties that are basically trying to outlaw unions. Except for police unions, who, by the way, are the only unions I think shouldn't be allowed to exist. So there you go. <laughs> you know, 
but it is it is very strange to watch it's a psycho psychological construct that you can oh, yeah. work your way through but at um at this basic level but you can see it at all levels i mean the way that they you know and you, and you change the religious ideology or whatever you want to call it the faith structure the understanding of the basic tenets of your religion to fit yeah. This very destructive, mm -hmm. you know, it's not like so many of these people were atheists. Like, I don't understand. I just, part of me, just, I said it last week, and yeah. part of me just sits there and just doesn't understand how you can vote. It's like, well, it's like gambling. Yeah. I don't understand gambling. As I said, I can, you know, I mean, I could go out and have fun one night, but, and play the slot machines or something, but yeah. I am guaranteed to you know, lose you it don't all. Yeah, you don't expect to win. You no, you say, like, okay, it's I've got 20 bucks. Or 50, 20, 50, whatever of entertainment, and I'm going to go have a good time for a couple of hours, and that's it. <laughs> a couple of hours? All right. No, all that's right, when right. you play and when my <laughs> sister true. plays. I was weirdly lucky on those poker slot machines. Well, no, and my sister, the same thing. For, yeah, we I was got there for two hours, and I came home with like one dollar less than I left with. It was so strange. Well, I well, no, I think it was a concerted effort, and so that yes, the whole you made more money, but everybody else lost. Yeah, so and so on balance, we were on only balance. down a couple of bucks. Yeah, yeah, for the whole and day. We went. Uh, we actually. After my mother died the first Christmas, we just couldn't bear doing it. So we went. One of the few places that was open was the casino. Yeah, of course. And so we went to the casino for Christmas dinner. And it was a really good Christmas dinner. They had a very good mincemeat pie and pumpkin pie. Casinos, <laughs> by the way, this is a little tip to you. I'm not saying gamble, but casinos generally have really good food to try and trick you into staying in the casino. And they're always fair priced, again, to trick yeah. you into staying in the casino. Oh well, sure, and and they gave us they gave us chips. Oh yeah, with your meal, right? With the meal, you because you we playing. bought a meal, we yeah. got our five dollars worth of playing. Yep. So we did, and then at one point, right? At one point, I just looked at my one sister and said, "No, no, 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 give it to the other sister." <laughs> and <laughs> She's sure the one enough, who wins. the one who wins, and sure enough, she we walked away with enough to cover our movie. <laughs> and our dinner and everything yeah, your whole celebration your whole christmas celebration was paid for by the casino and your sister's luck yeah don't ask me why she was always she was always good at picking racehorses weird like she you know some people just have it like that's the thing some people just have it all right mm -hmm. uh but and that's the key like and that is the kind of like i always worry about casinos because it always seems to me as if a casino is just like you know, there to eke the last bit of money out of a desperate community. <laughs> but then again, I've had plenty of good times in casinos. So I understand that there is a, like, there is a primal need being, uh, there's a primal need being served by the casino experience. And I've felt it too, just like anyone else. But at the same time, I, like you, look at people who become compulsive gamblers and I just, fundamentally my brain can't register that 
Because I have never gone into a casino or bet on a horse or anything like that thinking I was going to win. Never yeah, occurred never. to me. Never occurred to me that I was no. going to win. And then you look at a man like David Milch, who was literally one of the most successful screenwriters in the history of television, who's gone completely broke multiple times on horses. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a man who wrote a show about his addiction to horse racing uh called luck and it's the show they had to shut down it was a popular show but they had so much bad press because uh they did a bunch of horse racing scenes and they were using like old racehorses because you know you can't use a real racehorse because they're incredibly expensive and they're needed for horse racing so they would have retired ha horse uh horses but they retired because they can't do that anymore and the horses kept dying and it was really bad press so they stopped doing the show but at the center of that show was a uh, character played i mean he was essentially the stand-in for David Milch himself. It was played by Jason Gedrick, and it was this incredible performance of a gambling addict, a man who can't stop, and yeah. no matter what. And the, the whole thing in the first season of his scenes is, the mystery at the core of this guy is, why can't he stop? Like, why can't he take the million-plus dollars he makes and walk away and be comfortable? And it's because, I mean, fundamentally, the only thrill he gets in life is worrying that he might lose. You know, yeah. it's the fear of losing is the only way he can get adrenaline anymore. And that's the only thing that makes his life worth living. And and it's like, you watch this show and you're like, David Milch, you're making a show about this, but you can't like use that in your real life. Yeah. And it's like, how can you make a show about this problem? And not understand that you're suffering. Like, it's about your own experiences, and you still can't walk away from it. It's like, how can you have the knowledge about this to make fiction about it while still being a victim to it? And that that blows my mind. It really yeah, did. Yeah, and, and so this is this has been our discussion of addictions, but it it it, it is um, I but Effective. as I say, as I say, I just but the what it really comes down to is that. Once you, and I've talked to a lot of my friends too, because there were a lot of my friends who did come from the, the same blue collar. And I can yeah. remember talking to, to one and he was, you know, in Ottawa, but as he said, it's really hard to go back home. I mean, nobody understands what it's like because all of a sudden you've proven that you're smarter than everybody else and you've gotten out. That's what everybody wanted you to do. Yeah. That's what they wanted you to do, but they don't like you for it no. because now they assume that you think you're better than everybody else because you got out. Yeah. It's like, like you can't win. No. And, and, and that is the, like the subtext of the whole four episodes. Yeah. And you can't know better than anybody else. Well, and you I mean, just look at can't his, look at his, what's yeah. it called? look at his boss at the gas station. Yeah. Who like, thinks it's going to be great having the guy who got out and got connected working for him. And it's like, and Vinny, he can say all he wants that I just want to be a regular guy again, but you but can never can't. go home. Like no. it can't be like, you can go back home, but it's never going to be that way again. No, Tom, Thomas Wolf was correct. Thomas Wolf. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm trying to remember whose <laughs> quote that was. You can't go home yeah. again. But well, yeah. he, well, no, he said he wrote a book, I think. Yeah, of course. With, you know ultimately that with that title yeah yeah um, and it's, thank you for reminding me who it was but yes uh yeah and that's that's what this whole arc is about 
It's about, you know, the kind of organized crime that happens at the bottom rung and how Vinny, like, in training to become a guy and the FBI don't take it seriously. You know, most people don't take it seriously. The cops don't uh, pay attention to these guys because a lot of the cops are, you know, racist too. Uh, the cops don't pay attention to these guys. The FBI don't pay attention to these guys because they only have their eyes on the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, aspirational criminals. The criminals who are trying to make a splash. The criminals who draw attention to themselves. Like, that's what they care about because that's what everyone is supposed to aspire to. They're, the criminals are supposed to aspire to being, you know, drug kingpins. And the cops are supposed to aspire to be the FBI who goes after these high-end criminals. Like, and you have this whole other world down at the fringes that's every bit as dangerous and every bit as important to what's going on in the country, but no one has their eye on it. It's, it is a fascinating arc. And it, it is, yeah. it, I mean, it really is for what it has to say about America. Oh, I, yes. Okay. So now I think we're set to move on to the happiest episode Wise Guy ever did. Their only Christmas episode, as I recall it. I don't think there's another Christmas episode. Although, honestly, in the third season, there's friggin' eight filler episodes. Eight! I don't think any of them take place at Christmas. But I don't think any of them are Christmas episodes. Well, I mean, the one with, uh... There's a non-zero chance that the one with Lifeguard's family might have been set at Christmas. I mean, I don't know for a fact that it wasn't, or the one with frank's dad like well there's a couple of episodes that might be set at christmas i don't know well we'll we'll find out won't we you're right we will i just i'm really dreading that i'm both dreading and massively looking forward to that third season because it has well if everybody thought that we were going to give we were going to give this show a complete oh it's so wonderful (laughs) wait Wait until we get to season three Oh, Hell, in season four, they got three episodes that never were never on television. Like that's how that's how off the rails this show goes. Yeah, <laughs> that they shot but never aired. All right, uh, so let's move on to area for area for Don Iupo, which is just fantastic. So it opens. It's Christmas. Vinny has been called to DC, and it's weird because in all the previous scenes, like we they've given us enough visual cues to let us know in comments to let us know that like the OCB headquarters they go to is in uh is in Washington DC. So yeah. every time Vinny's there, every time Frank's there, they hopped on a plane. But this is the first time and and it's by the way, it's not a long fight flight from Brooklyn to Washington DC. Like it's it's like a two hour train ride. It's nothing to get on a, a commuter jet and head out there. So um but what's interesting is so this is the first time they actually just canani- canonically show us Vinny getting on a plane and then getting a uh, an FBI car to drive him to headquarters. We see all that at the start of the episode, and we see the lights of Washington, D.C., and he looks in the Capitol Dome, and he's just, you know, thinking about America, which is understandable given what he just went through. <laughs> and so yeah. we get in there, yeah, I know, <laughs> we get in there, and they start questioning him about whether uh, he is actually committed to the FBI, because, you know, in your report, it says that you are a, you know, uh, you are a blooded in member of La Cosa Nostra. So do you have any divided loyalties? You know, like um, any, you, and of course, well, Vinny, please. Oh, no, no. Well, no. And they say, and, and he's on the record as having conflicting, lo- oh, yeah. conflicting issues when he was with Sonny and even with Mel. 
right? Yep. Well, I mean, he, he was, was ready to quit if he if he had a you know baby with Sue. Sue, he was ready to quit. Yeah. And that that ended up in Frank's report. I'm sure that ended up in Lifeguard's report. You know, sure. so yeah, like the, his psychology is their like his psychology being stable is their job. So that kind of stuff that definitely got left in there. Yeah, you know, there's stuff they won't talk. There's stuff. There's stuff where Lifeguard will turn off the phone and just let him talk, but Lifeguard will always report on his mental overall mental state. Yeah, and whether he's experiencing confusion. All right, so uh, they but they understand that he's a little suspicious uh, that they're a little suspicious of him, and he's like, "Why the hell are you bringing this to me now?" Yeah. And the answer is, "Oh, uh, you know R- Rudolph Ayupo? Yes, your mother's been dating him." Yeah, I know. Oh it my was God. So funny. It's so funny. You know, and there's Vinny going, "Say what? what? <laughs> How is this happening?" <laughs> and then we get a flashback to how it started. It started. And, oh my god, it's like, the show will never be more sympathetic to the mafia than it is with Don Ayupo. Yeah. And it's it's a fantastic scene. where Because they're at the, the Christmas, you know, the Christmas social down at the church. And everybody brings their potluck food. And they have a raffle that a woman cheats at every year. Because yeah. God forbid there is anything that doesn't feature corruption in this show. Right? <laughs> God forbid there be a single area of the world that isn't corrupt. But yeah, the woman who runs the raffle fixes it every year. Because again, you know, people always trying to cut themselves in whenever they can. But anyway, it's uh, it's fantastic. And so Rudy is there and he's saying hi to everybody. And we see Rudy's brother, a barber, who uh, never actually learned to speak English. <laughs> who came to America in the 30s. Uh, you know, because there was no work in Sicily, just the same way Rudy did. They came together, but he's like, obviously I'm going back to Sicily, so why bother learning English? And then he kind of just committed to that, and now it's been 50 years and he still doesn't speak English. English. Oh, it's so fantastic. Uh, and he doesn't talk to his brother because his brother joined the mob. Yep. And he's like, yeah, we left Sicily to get away from poverty and violence, and you became everything we hated, so he won't talk to his brother. And it's fantastic. And, and he changed see, his name as we find out. Oh, yeah, he went back. Yeah, he changed his last name and goes by his mother's maiden name so he won't be associated with Don Ayupo. Yeah. You know? And they they haven't talked in 50 years. They go to the same social meetings so, from time to time. Uh, Rudy has, and they expressly say that Rudy has only gone, started going to the community neighborhood stuff since he retired from the mob and since his wife died. Like, he did live, you know, the mob life for the longest time, but now he's a retired old man, and he just wants to be part of the community. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, it's it's honestly, it's such a sweet scene. And he dances uh, with Carlotta, and they flirt, and they talk, and Carlotta's friend gets, um, again, a great visual cue, because Carlotta's friend sees, like, when she walks away from talking to Rudy, uh, the friend is like, uh, hey, look, it's a chair. Uh, look at this chair. Yeah. And she turns it around. Oh, look, it's still a chair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yep. then, again, perfect visual metaphor. What happens next? Carlotta sits in the chair. Yeah. So there you go. That's how much she cares about what her friend thinks. Well, and the best part is, like, um, that he says, uh, there's, he gives off this big list of everything he has done for people in the neighborhood. Yeah. 
<laughs> he has gotten people jobs. He has paid for people's schooling. He has beaten up, you know, awful landlords who were screwing people over. Right? Like, yeah. and as he says, there's nobody in this room that I haven't done something for without asking for anything in return. And she's well, like, I... you did want something in return. You wanted to be thought of as a big man. Yes. And Carlotta is the only person in that room that, that he's he hasn't never, he tried. Yes. Well, he yeah, tried. We'll get to that. We'll get to that yeah. in a minute. Uh, but yeah, Carlotta is technically the only one in the room he's never done anything for. But I love her comment about him wanting to be a big man. And he's like, yeah, I'll admit to that. I like being thought of as like the the king of the neighborhood. I've I've always enjoyed that. But the thing is, if you think about it, how is what Rudy was doing? Yes, he's a criminal. Yes, he is he has definitely been involved in having people killed. I mean, but only ever within like only people who were in the game. Like he doesn't uh that's the rule that his mafia guys live by. Only if you were in the game did you get run the risk of getting killed. Nobody's family gets hurt, nobody's relatives get hurt. Like only people who are part of their like the thing can get killed. That said, running a business in that neighborhood makes you part of the game, so he's not completely innocent. But you never get the sense that the type of crime Rudy was running is the type where he was mer like blowing up people's uh blowing up people's businesses if they didn't pay protection because honestly, everybody paid protection. <laughs> Basically, like, yep. well, no, but I mean, what did we yeah. find out about the neighborhood in the first season? This is the net kind of neighborhood where everybody pays. Yep. You know, everybody's fine with the system they have. It's just another tax they have to pay to keep living in the neighborhood. And so, yeah, Rudy did exploit them, but he always thought of himself as a member of the community and always put in the work to make sure the community likes him and the community does like him. That's the thing. There's a couple of people who spit on him because he's a mobster, but at the end of the day, everybody will come to him and ask him for a favor if they need one. So it's yeah. like he has this weird half in, half out part of the community where he's not really part of the community, but he is at the same time. So again, very complex portrayal of the mafia. Well, yes, of the old, what they call the, the old, old style, mafia. old yeah. school mafia, as we're constantly oh, yeah. seeing. Oh. You know, that, that I mean, that was the theme with Steelgrave. Yep. Right. And, uh, and honestly, and, like Steelgrave is. And uh, Prophet. And Prophet, yeah. And, but Rudy is, uh, Rudy is like the, as you say, the old school kind of guy, like Joey Bags, you know, the old kind of mobster who the new guys look up to, but they don't necessarily do things that way anymore. Yeah. Right? And that's going to be a big part of the story going forward. So, Vinny. Uh, quite understandably, is disturbed to find out that his mother has been dating a mobster. Uh, so he wants to confront his mother about it, and his mother is not going to talk about her love life. Nope. None of his under business. Any so he does the next thing, which is going to see Don Ayupo. And here we get a rewrite that is yes. the best rewrite of the show could have possibly done. Like, you want to talk about uh, so this scene completely re recontextualizes everything that happened in squeeze yeah and and so we find out that back in the old country right uh back in the old country he they grew up in the same town carlotta and don Ayupa grew up in the same town and he was sweet on her and they dated 
when they came to America. But then he joined the mob and she would have nothing to do with him and refused whatsoever. No contact, no talk. When he, when, uh, when she married Terranova's dad, I'm trying to remember her, his father's name. Uh, we can see that later if we want to. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely find that out later. I don't remember his first name. Uh, Frank but, uh, or something. Yeah, who knows, right? Well, it yeah. can't be Frank. Or no, the, it can't be Frank. The relationship yes. with Frank would be way too close. <laughs> like, I Ralph? mean, he's already got, yeah, Ralph Terranova or something like that. But yeah. anyway, or, you know, Carl, whatever. Um, again, we do learn later in the season, so it's not a big deal that we don't know now. Let's say his name was John, although he's Italian. So that's oh, maybe it's, weird name. well, I don't know. Yeah. yeah anyway, it's Giovanni. But anyway, yes, that's uh, exactly it. It would be Giovanni and he turned into John. Call him John. Yeah, because yeah. he did immigrate from Italy. Like he was a landed immigrant. He wasn't born in the United States. Vinny and uh, Peter first generation. All right. Uh, so what's fun is so they dated and then she married uh, Terranova and he sent them like the nicest couch as a wedding gift. And Vinny's dad showed up at his social club with the sofa and threatened to kill him if he ever came near his wife again. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Rudy's a man of respect, and you don't mess with a man's family, so he backed off. And he stayed backed off. But and this is the this is the rewriting of history that's so fascinating. We are asked to believe and understand that the whole time that like he was always aware of what Carlotta and her family were up to. So he always knew what Vinny was up to. Yeah. Yeah. So he kept, I mean, he didn't really keep an eye on Vinny or help Vinny, but he's like, he was aware when Vinny got involved in the mob that Vinny was getting involved in the mob. Mm -hmm. And he kept an eye and he found out that Vinny was considered to be a solid guy, that he was considered to be a man of respect. And when Vinny finally turned up, it's a huge deal for him because like, this is the guy who, like my, my first love son the guy who could have been my son, right? And he's here and he's a man of respect and he's treating me well. And he's like, he has all of the best parts of what I saw in the business. And that's why he says you could be Don if you wanted. Yeah. It's, it's, it manages to recontextualize Squeeze without rewriting every, anything. Everything that happened in Squeeze happened, but they kept it so, like the writing in that episode was so like, uh, I'm not going to say non-committal or anything like that, because it wasn't. It, like, he's a well-drawn character in that episode. But what I will say is, in that episode, like, you don't get the slightest idea that he knows who Vinny is. But the story about Vinny's dad is all they needed to do from a writing standpoint for Vinny to have no idea who he is, and for Rudy to keep it completely quiet that he knows who Vinny is. Yeah. So it's such a great job of writing. It, it oh, really yeah. is. Oh, but yeah, so we get a whole scene that recontextualizes that. And it's fantastic. And he's like, uh, and he lays it out. Like, we're going to keep dating. Right? Yeah. Uh, we're we're going to keep dating. Like, it's up to your mother. Like, obviously, I want your approval because I respect you. But at the end of the day, it's up to your mother who she sees. You're not in charge of her life and you're not in charge of my life. And, and Don and Rudy's right. Like, it's not Vinny's place. It's not Vinny's place. Like, this is this is an Italian family. This is a Catholic family. He doesn't get to tell his mother how to live under any circumstances. And so Vinny just has to back off. Meanwhile, <laughs> Paul. Uh, so Vinny, oh, I forgot to mention that Angela is in this episode. Uh, Angela is in this episode yes. again. 
Uh, she took a she took a powder for episode five four, but she's back for episode five because it's Christmas and family's doing stuff. And uh, so Angela's in the episode and she talks to Vinny about it. And again, she's on the same page as Don Ayupo and the mother. It's like, it's your mother. You don't get to, you know, you can't tell her what to do. The heart wants what it wants. You know, all of, I mean, it's all platitudes, but it's also all true. And Vinny just has to sit back. But uh, meanwhile, Mark has been trying to help Vinny out by finding a way to get rid of Don Ayupo. Well, yeah, because... Yeah, he's, that's he's what a, Vinny indicated. That's absolutely what Vinny indicated he wanted in yep. the scene where he got introduced about it. And so Mark, just trying to do the right thing, uh, finds a like, way, finds the best way possible. And it's actually very clever because so Don Ayupo had, you know, um, uh, like a state uh, official in his pocket and a couple of congressmen in his pocket for years and years and years and years. And the thing is, he snuck into the country. And he was not properly, uh, he snuck into the country and was not properly cleared by customs back in the 30s. And they all assumed that there would be nothing from his past, that anything from his past that was questionable would have been cleaned out of his file. But for whatever reason, you know, the the politicians he had never actually finished his paperwork. They ma just made sure people looked the other way. They never changed the paperwork. So Don Ayupo is technically not an American citizen or his but, citizenship can be revoked anyway. You know, what's what, what the only thing that I found strange. No, that, that I would say is why the hell didn't he get American citizenship? Well, no, he does have American citizenship, but it was done. But he didn't do a couple of the steps you needed to. And you may ask why he didn't. Uh, because he pay bribed someone to get him in, and then he just never went back and finished the work. Which, you know what? You're distracted, you're running a mafia empire, and the guy at the government you paid to do the job just says it's taken care of, and then you never hear about it, and I think you would just assume it was taken care of. Because Mark has to go 50 years back in the paperwork to find something to get him on. That's true. Like, it's not like this is, uh, he is an American citizen, but he wasn't eligible to be an American citizen because he didn't do all the necessary steps, but only someone looking at his original paperwork from the 30s would know that. So, I mean, he did get everything he wanted, and he was an American citizen, and he paid his taxes, but, you know, there you go. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a funny situation. Anyway, so what's very interesting is this, of course, really pisses Vinny off because he's just come around on Don Ayupo and wanted to help his mother. So now he's yelling at Mark for the favor Mark tried to do for him. That's, it's not a great look for Vinny. And Vinny immediately realizes that he's in the wrong because Vinny knows how to apologize. Unlike most people, <laughs> like Vinny knows when he's in the wrong and he knows, eventually knows when he's in the wrong and does always apologize. So you go, Vinny. This is, by the way, the second time in, to, uh, in three episodes that he's had, that he's yelled at Mark and then had to apologize. Apologize. Because Mark was just looking out for him. And that's the thing is like, he actually, um, uh, he has been so, I think his experiences with Daryl were so bad that he can't admit, right. That he can't like admit that it is possible that the FBI suits could be on the right side of things, but Daryl's replacement. Oh, sorry, please. Or, or a little bit of homophobia or a little bit of homophobia with Mark. You never can tell. Uh, no. but anyway, what's interesting is, did we talk last week about the fact that, uh, that Daryl's gone? 
I feel like we did. We got so caught up in like the plot that we forgot to mention that. Yeah, Daryl got fired. Well, put on indefinite leave because he had been making obscene phone calls to women from, from the FBI <laughs> control center because he thought that that meant that it would be an untraceable call. And it was an untraceable call, but it was also one that was being recorded and surveilled. <laughs> and he thought he had got, oh yeah, yeah, Mar uh, he got fired. Uh, and Paul, Paul Beckstead is his replacement. And uh, if you're not familiar with the actor, he would go on to be the, the guy who ran the hospital on Scrubs and be on a whole ton of other shows. Just a very popular character actor whose name eludes me at the moment, but he's very good as Paul. And he's very likable. So, you know, Paul and uh, Mark and Frank explain to Vinny the situation that, like, there's nothing they can do. Right? No, there's it's absolutely the... nothing they can do. Like, it's like the wheels are already in motion. And once the system gets rolling, like, no one can do it. Like, we called in favors to get his being thrown out of the country expedited for you. So yeah. now we can't go back and tell those people, you know what, it's off. Because, again, the favors have already been called in. So, again, really nice touch. Then we get him and Don Ayupo talking in, uh, what do you call it? Talking in, uh, uh, talking in detention. In a detention facility. Now, but, now, but you have missed an important... Sorry, I have missed an important thing, please. Yes, you have missed an important thing. Because what has happened is that Don Ayupo has proposed... To Vinny's mother before oh, yeah, he, he tell he you're right he has proposed to her already but he tells Vinny about it in this scene so I was going to cover it in my synopsis of this scene, I and see I okay that. he does because yeah like, because um, because yeah. he's he proposed proposal. to her at dinner yeah yes. but he, he tells Vinny what his plans are in this scene he proposed to her when the four of them uh Vinny and Carlotta and Rudy and Angela all went out to dinner that's when he yes. said you know what Life is too short. This is my uh, this is my mother's wedding ring, and it was her grandmother's wedding ring. And now I want you to have it. Will you marry me? And he does the yeah. whole thing. She says yes, and it's after that that he's getting kicked out of the country. Yeah, you're right. And I should have mentioned that. Yeah, first. because because it does. I mean, it does. It does because, affect Vinny's response. Yes. Yeah, and so Vinny Vinny has accepted this, and then all of a sudden, right yeah. there there it is. The rug gets and, pulled out from underneath. Yeah, and. Yeah. You know, and so he has, he did have to explain that. Yeah. As he said, but my They're mother's in married. love with him. <laughs> They're going to get married. Oh my God. All right. Yeah. So he goes to talk to Rudy and we get again, a full conversation about the mafia and its role in society for Italian people. And the fact that, and he's like, like, look, yeah, I was a bad guy, but you know, fundamentally there were no other options for advancement in society for Italian immigrants at that time. If I wanted to make something of myself that wasn't just running a bakery or driving a food truck or whatever, this was my only option. And he's not really wrong about that. He's not actually wrong about that 100% back in the 30s. Like, it oh, was yeah. the no, 30s. No. It was a nightmare. And never remember, and always remember, the Italians were always on the wrong side in the wars, <laughs> yep. in World War One, and then World lots War Two again. Yeah, yeah, lots of prejudice coming their way. And what was so fascinating about it, and the thing that I just could not get enough of, is he says to Vinny, like, you know what I'm talking about. You you joined up, even when there were plenty more you know options available to you than there ever were to me. 
Yeah. So he's like, how are you in a position to judge me, Vinny? And of course, he doesn't know Vinny's a cop. But he's not wrong from his point of view. He and Vinny really aren't that different. Except the only difference is he didn't really have the full understanding of what the mafia life in New York would become. Because again, it was the founding of the New York mafia. Whereas Vinny, in his mind and to his knowledge, knew exactly what he was signing up for. Yes. And he's and he full on says to Vinny, and it's like, here's how you know Don Ayupo has changed and is a good guy now. And it's like, the business isn't what it was, and you're not going to get a good life out of it. <laughs> get out if you can. Yeah. Like, if you're smart, you're going to get out of this business. And so it's like, Don Ayupo is doing everything he can possibly do to get us on his side. And plus get Vinny on his side. Yeah, and plus he makes it clear yeah. to Vinny. That the only reason he met Mount Prophet was because it was Vincenzo. Yeah. yeah. He never would have taken that meeting unless Vinny showed, unless it was Vinny who showed up offering it to him. And he's like, this is a guy. It's the son of my first love. I've heard nothing but good things about him from my mafia connections. Yes, absolutely. If he says, let's do a deal, I'll do a deal. And then you're yeah. like, okay, wow. So everything Vinny thought about Rudy is turned on its head, and he finally says, okay, if my mother is willing to move to Sicily with you, after, like, uh, you have my blessing, get married, I am complete, he completely signs off on it. Yeah. <clears throat> and then we get the wedding scene. And then we get the wedding scene where there's 12 FBI agents <laughs> and U.S. Marshals hanging out to make sure he doesn't make a run for it. And we get a sweet wedding scene, and everyone from the neighborhood comes, and it's a nice party, and Rudy gives a Even his speech. brother is there. Even his brother shows up to celebrate his second wedding. Yes. So, you know, again, it's it's such a beautiful scene. Because, uh, you know, ultimately, I was going to say, because he knows that Carlotta, that his brother has changed because Carlotta wouldn't have married to, him. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, yeah. it is Carlotta that has fixed, they don't say it in the episode, but it's 100% no. clear that it is Carlotta that has repaired this relationship. Yeah. And he gets a great scene with Vinny where he's like, here's the thing, I got a lot of money squirreled away, but mm -hmm. I'm being watched by the FBI, so I can't do anything about it. In a, in a year or two, when things have cooled down, I'm going to get in touch with you for how to grab the money, because I've promised your mother I'll use, you know, my fortune uh, to go to charity in Pete's name. Yeah. And I'm like, damn! And the second you see Vinny's face, and I'm like, oh my god, he's not going to report that to Frank, is he? Well, he's going to do it. Like, if if this had gone ahead the way planned, he, he was absolutely going to do what Rudy asked and not tell Frank about the money. Yeah. Because, uh, as he said, what's, the, what's a better use of that money? Being donated to charity in Frank's name or being just handed over to the government? Government, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, even he knows that it's better spent uh, on Catholic charities for Frank. I mean, we can all talk about Catholic charities and blah, 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 but their hearts are in the right place. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, their, their hearts really are in the right place. And they're even doing the thing that he's getting married, so guys come to ask him for favors, but he's like, people ask me for help for things that only God uh yeah. can do but i appreciate that they still come to me oh it's yeah. such a sweet scene like everything everything about this has a sweetness that has never existed in the show before and it can come across as cloying except for the fact that the writing is so good and the acting is so good it all comes naturally from what we know about the characters yeah that's that's the thing you know this 
you you think about it and it could go in other hands yeah it could go so wrong oh absolutely i have seen so many shows that <laughs> just know, right? can't and it is a it is a can't stunner thread that needle. From, can't thread that needle and um it is it it is fascinating Mm-hmm. When you think, I don't know who actually wrote it. I'll look We'd it have up to while we're that, here. It's it's a great it's a great piece of writing and fantastic pieces of acting from everybody. So then, uh okay, then things uh go a little sideways uh-huh. because uh Rudy comes. Uh, Rudy talks to Tito, uh, his brother. Uh, Rudy has a conversation with Tito, which is his brother. And then he needs a private conversation with his wife. And so they go into the bathroom and the cops want to follow them. But then like one of the cops is like, no, there's no windows in there. It's fine. Let them have a private second. And then, uh, and then Carlotta comes out wailing that she, like, she wanted to move to, <laughs> she wanted to move uh, to Sicily, but she can't, she can't leave her family or community. She can't leave her one remaining son. And she, you know, ter- runs to the corner and starts crying. Right. Yep. And then Rudy comes out and he's ushered away and he's about to be ushered away. And Vinny gives him a final hug. He's like, oh, it's Tito. They've switched yeah. clothes. <laughs> They've switched clothes and he's got a scarf around his face. And so Tito's going to let them take him too. Yeah. Tito's going to let them take him back. Because honestly, who's going to know? Yeah. <laughs> who's going to know, right? It's not like he has a bunch of pictures. It's not like Don Ayupo has a bunch of picture ID. The man doesn't drive. Why would he have picture ID? He's got his own doctors he goes to. Like, there's no reason for this man to have picture ID. He doesn't have a passport. He's never traveled outside of the United States. He loves the country. So you had this, he never went back to Italy after leaving. And so you end up with this situation where when they get to the airport, if nobody's looking too closely, there's no reason to think this isn't Rudy Ayupo. No. And that's it. And that's it. And that's the end of the episode. We find out that, like, they're going on a honeymoon and they're going to move into Rudy's house using Tito's ID. And he, she's, they're going to be Mr. and Mrs. Tito, and I don't remember the last name. Whatever. And get closure on just what is the sweetest hour this show will ever do. Yep. That's, keep, that's it. And yeah. Vinny gets to keep the house. And Vinny, yeah. And Vinny gets uh, handed his family home, like the home they grew up in. Yeah. Because uh, and I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. Well, yeah, and as she's, you know, and he's, but you could, you could you sell, it, sell it, get some money, and well, what does she need money for? They got plenty of money. Don <laughs> Ayupo, she just married a mob boss. Like he's retired, but he's got like, he's got, uh, he's got a full time guy there. Like he's got a full time just assistant because he was, you know, grand like grandfathered in. And oh god, his his assistant is one of my favorite characters. We're yeah. not going to get to talk about him till the end of the season. And he yeah. doesn't have almost anything to do in this first episode, but is it's a character named Poochie. I've already explained. Uh, I I think I've already explained him on the show, and if I haven't, yes, um, you know, uh, you did. Uh, as he is the. I know. I'm just saying to remind people if they've forgotten that episode. He's <laughs> he is the show's Bobby Bacala from the from the Sopranos, except yeah. an even nicer guy than Bobby was. Yeah, like he's the one truly just nice guy in the entire mob. Because all he's ever done is, in, and this is the crazy thing, like, the relationships that get built up in the mob, like, Poochie is a guy who, at the age of, like, 16, started, like, shining shoes and running errands for the 40-year-old Don Ayupo when he was, you know, a mob boss. And he was just, like, 
his guy to get him his coffee and shine his shoes and drive him places. And he's never stopped doing that job. He's yeah. now in his mid forties and he's still Donahue's gopher. Like he is as close to him as anyone in the world. And he's never been like a hardcore mobster because he's just the guy who runs the errands and takes messages for the boss. That's it. And you actually get a bunch of stuff about his character later in the season, but he is one of my favorite characters and it's great that they introduced him here because they know they were going to do more with him later. So yeah, really, really good job on the show. All right. Now can I talk about my conspiracy theory? Okay. One, one last thing, please. One last thing before we move on. Then, then we can go to your conspiracy theory. Thank you. Canel and Lupo wrote the episode. Of course they did. They did. <laughs> absolutely. Why? I'm not surprised you... at all. No. Yeah. Why we should have just assumed, think? right? We yeah. Well, I, I, I sort of assumed, but I had yeah. to check. Yeah. No, you have to check. Obviously. All right. These Here's guys. my conspiracy yeah. theory. All right. If you watch the episode, it ends with Vinny and Angela finishing decorating the tree and talking about the plans of Rudy and Carlotta. Right. And then the show like uh, fades, like does this fade to black so quickly. And it's the kind of visual style that you like, like a stylistic visual fade out that is so fast and so abrupt at the end of a sentence that it is unlike any other transition the show has ever done or will ever do that. It looks weird. And I watched what was happening. As they did the fade out, because they needed the, they needed, because the fade out happens, like, literally a split second after the end of the last line of dialogue. And as that last line of dialogue is happening, Vinny is moving towards Angela, and I'm like, I think they kissed originally. Ah. At the end of this episode. And if you go and watch it, you know, you can tell me next week what you thought. I think originally they ended, uh, they kissed at the end of this episode. And here is my suspicion. I think the Angela stuff, the original plan for the Angela stuff was that they were going to address in the next arc what happens if you actually, like, actually do the Tina Augustina stuff and say, well, what happens if you are in a relationship while you also have to be undercover? And that is why Angela was there and that's what they were going to do. And ah. I think they kissed in this episode and they were going to be an, a couple starting at the beginning of the garment arc. And what I suspect is when Ken Wall and this, I mean, spoiler alert, you're going to find out next week. So we might as well tell you now. Ken Wall was horribly injured in an onset accident. Uh, what do you call it? In an onset accident in the set while filming the second episode of uh, the second arc. Right. Yeah. He was like horribly injured. Like it, I think he snapped a tendon. Like it was bad. Something ran over, like a, like a machine ran over his leg, snapped a tendon. He couldn't walk for two months. Right. And they have to, they have to bring in another actor and the story's really good. And it's Anthony Dennison from crime story. Lest the crime story comparison stop for a second. <laughs> right. Uh, in fact, there's actually a, another crime story connection. We'll talk about next week. Uh, but yeah, so it's, it's great. Like it's, it's Anthony Dennison, uh, Ray Luca from crime story. So it's like, and he does a fantastic job. There's no complaints. What no. I think what happened was when they, um, when he got injured, and they realized he wasn't going to be on the show. 
they're like, well, we can't just sit on this romance storyline for a month and a half. Yeah. Like, and so what we're going to do is we'll figure out how to do the problems of trying to have a relationship while also being an undercover agent. We'll figure out a way to do that later. And then we'll just cut out the kiss and any references to Angela in the first episode of Seventh Avenue Freeze Out, the first of the Garment Arc. Yeah. That is my suspicion. And I don't have any proof for this other than it makes all of the stuff that happened with Angela in the first half of the season make sense because it was building to a real yeah. look into the private life of an undercover agent. And, and, and what they did, they still did that. By and they still at yeah, Anthony, and they, Anthony yes. Dennison's life. They talk about an Anthony Dennison's life and, but they more on, cause he's, he's married and he comes to the thing, but they full on do it with Vinny later yes yes for sure and they full-on do this with Vinny later on and so my suspicion is that that is what is happening ah. that originally the Vinny romance problems of being an undercover agent while also being in a relationship i think that was all supposed to happen with angela earlier in the season and ken wall's real life injury forced us to erase that story because spoiler alert you're never going to see Angela again. Yeah. And I don't think this, and my big clue to that is the fact that I'm pretty sure they were going to kiss at the end of this episode. Because if you think about it, what is this episode, uh, like all of his worries about the place he is in his life and can he have a relationship and can he and, er he and Angela just lonely people, blah, 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 blah. Doesn't it make sense that seeing what Rudy and Carlotta went through would motivate them to take a chance on a relationship. Oh yeah, no, for sure. I don't and even... I, no, you can't question that. Like, I, it makes perfect sense now that I've said it, right? Yeah, now that you've said it, I'm going, yeah, yeah. I can yeah. see, I can actually see it. It's not yeah. a conspiracy theory. Well, no, it's, it's a conspiracy a... theory because I don't have any evidence yet to back it up, but this yeah. is something I would, you know, be very interested to uh, find out if this is possible, like if this is what happened. Because it just, it makes sense based, like, and you can go and watch, like, uh, go and watch the ending of the episode again. And I think you're going to find, I think you're going to find. The abruptness of the ending. The, the abruptness of this, like, rapid fade out is there to cover something up. Like, because you always, we always, we can always notice when people's voice timber changes suddenly and you're not, um, and you're not looking at someone's face and there's a line in there to give some exposition and we as people who work in the industry, always immediately recognize, oh, okay, so there's something that wasn't clear in the text. So what they did was they went back and they re-recorded a line of dialogue <laughs> and they did it in the reaction shot. And you're actually going to see a lot of shots like that uh, in the scenes. Like, because you got to remember, all of the Washington, D.C. scenes are there to explain the plot for people who missed last week. Yeah. Like, that's why they're there. Uh, and... If you watch those scenes carefully, you're going to notice a lot of scenes where like little lines here and there where an important line explaining something is said and the person who's saying it isn't on camera and they go on the reaction shot. And yeah. that's because that line was written later. So it's like they filmed the scene to explain things and then the, the, the executive watched it and they're like, that's still not clear enough. So then they went back and wrote an even clearer line. To have them explain it. And they did that later after the episode was shot before it was aired. And I think this quick fade out is the same kind of thing. And it's them dumping out of the Angela romance storyline. So 
That's my theory. I think just based on the way the show is structured, that's probably what happened. But of course, well, you can I have it. no proof. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, Aman Angela herself is, you know, following up because it's, again, she's another tragic widow, you know, <laughs> in the yeah. same way that his first girlfriend on the show from the neighborhood was a tragic widow. So it's like the Angela character, it seems like it was really setting up an exploration of this relationship that they never got a chance to do. And I think that's it's a little sad that they didn't get the chance to do it. I mean, honestly, if if Ken Wall's leg hadn't gotten destroyed, who the hell knows what would have happened? Yeah. You know, but that's that's a whole other conversation for another day. Like we'll have that they, when we get to season four. OK, four, yeah, there could have been six seasons of Wise Guy, all I'm saying, if it wasn't for this onset accident. That's that's yeah. all I'll say about that. But for now, um, that's going to be the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed us being cheery for a change. Yeah, and, and happy about, yeah, and happy and enjoying the show because it's about to get rough. It's about to get really rough. <sighs> I mean, I, I stand by my statement that um, the, uh, by my statement that um, the hardest episode to watch is Last of the True Believers. The last two episodes of the garment industry arc are pretty rough too. Oh, there. Oh, jeez. Yep. Oh, I'm not, well, nothing, you know, nothing yeah, ends well for people. Yeah, I know. And right? this is, but this is truly, truly, truly tragic. The oh, end of is. the garment industry. Yeah, it's, okay, so prepare yourself for a rough couple of weeks. Uh, for now, though, um, next week, we're going to be watching episode uh, 206 and 207, which is 7th Avenue Freeze Out, and I can't remember the second episode's name. I'm just going to check now. I've got it here, okay. so it's not a problem. Uh, so it's 7th Avenue Freeze Out and uh, Next of Kin. So yeah, okay. check that out and be prepared to have a pretty good time for the first two episodes. And if you didn't actually watch uh, if you didn't actually watch Crime Story, we can't blame you. It's a long show. We only talked about it for a week. Uh, this will be your first, unless, of course, you watch Major Crimes and The Closer. This will be your first... <laughs> Major time spent with Anthony Dennison, and I hope you like him, because we like him a lot, and we're going to be talking about him a lot. Yeah. All right, uh, so let's do that. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling-related fiction you think we should check out, drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We will see you... Uh, oh, yes, if you're listening to any sort of app or podcatcher, please rate and review it. That's how new people find the show. We'll see you back here next week for uh, the start of the garment industry arc. But until then, I'm going to say that's right. Au revoir. And have a good week. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network.